Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Hope you've had a great Canada Day. Hope you are doing okay in this heat that has hit us here in Edmonton and Northern Alberta over the last few days. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. We have a best of edition for you tonight on Inside Sports. A lot of fun interviews to get to, including Luke Gazdick, Jay Onright, Sean Pete, who used to play minor pro hockey and now works in NASCAR. So he's going to tell that story. And in about a minute here, we'll get to a chat with Colin Fraser, former Edmonton Oiler and a former Stanley Cup champion as well. Well, I guess he's not a former Stanley Cup champion. Once you've, you've won it, you can always say that uh, you're a Stanley Cup champion. Speaking of this year's Stanley Cup, Tampa Bay is in control. The 3-1 victory over the Montreal Canadiens last night to go up 2-0 in the best of seven. We'll have coverage of Game 3 tomorrow here on 6.30, Chad, starting with the face-off show at 5.30 and the play-by-play at 6. The Canadiens back home, 3,500 fans. They did not get the uh, capacity expanded for these home games in the Stanley Cup Final, but I'm sure it'll be a rowdy bunch of fans as Montreal desperately needs a win. Okay, we're going to dive into our best-of edition here with former NHLer Colin Fraser. Hey, Reed, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing very well. First of all, you come highly recommended because Cam Moon himself said I had to get you on the show. <laughs> Me and Mooner, we go way back. He's uh, Mooner's a good man. I hope you guys are treating him well up there because he's, he's good at his job and he's a great person. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I, I like to think we're, we're keeping him well. My only challenge, uh, Colin, is, is keeping up with his energy because he is uh, he is always on the go. He's always ready to rock and roll. So that's probably one thing you remember about him. I agree. He bounces off the walls and uh, he doesn't have any bad days. He's he's one of the one of the more funny guys I've ever I've really I've ever met in my life. He's always on. He's he's uh, he's a riot to be around and and hang out with and t- tell stories with for sure. Okay, well, let's start there. And, of course, I want to, uh, you know, let people know what you're up to now. And it's, it's awesome to have you on the show. Uh, the, the days in Red Deer. So, okay, here's one of the things that, that sparked getting you on. Uh, Mooner's telling me that you're playing for the Red Deer Rebels. And you're playing a road yep. game. And Mr. Sutter's the head coach. And he decided that if a player was perhaps underperforming, that that player would not be benched he would simply be removed from the game. And by the end of the game, the Rebels didn't have very many guys left. So, okay, you, can you clarify or give your version of, of this tale as you remember it? <laughs> uh, 100% true. We're playing in Prince George. I, uh, the old cliche, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, I was actually on the ice. Um, we get scored on. I come off for a change, and, and, and there's no one on the bench. And I looked down at Radar, who's been the trainer there for for a hundred years now, and I'm like, "Where is everybody?" He's like, "He sent him to the showers a little early." I'm like, "Oh my goodness!" So we played with 3D. I don't know, maybe 
I don't even know if we had six forwards. And uh, for the rest of the game, we ended up losing 9-2. There's one, at one point, uh, Brent puts me and another kid out, uh, Stuart Kerr. It was a four-on-four shift, and he says, don't change till I tell you to come off. So three minutes later, we're still skating around in our zone. I'm leaning over my stick. I can't even move. And then they scored on us, and that's how we got off the ice because <laughs> we took another minus. So... Um, 100% true story. He, oh, he put the video on the bus after the game, put VHS too. And so he's like fast forwarding and rewinding on the VHS, like the whole game. We had to watch the whole game uh, from start to finish on the way back from Prince George. It was a good, it's a good story. Good times. Yeah, well, it, <laughs> I don't know if it sounded like a good time going through it for, for everybody, but like did, did guys... Uh, discuss it were guys angry were they motivated well maybe angry and motivated are the same thing in that term and Brent obviously was and is a well-respected coach but do you remember how the guys kind of reacted to it at the time you know what that was almost like so crazy that it was kind of it wasn't funny in the moment I wouldn't say that we got our butts kicked but um like by the time on the bus like it was like oh here we go like it was almost comical like what else can you do but laugh you know or at least chuckle maybe not laugh and we wouldn't let him see that we were laughing obviously but it was just uh i don't know a little bit old school i i bring that story up to brent now because i honestly i think it's it's i actually like it's not a big deal to me that that happened i think it's funny like i think like he's just trying to get us going we're getting our butts kicked like we don't deserve ice time if you're not going to play and i now i bug him now i'm like can you imagine the storylines if you did that today because that's i don't know 20 years ago now which uh isn't that long ago but uh um time it goes to show how times have changed let's put it that way yeah well i think everything now is divided uh before twitter or after twitter you know like (laughs) and even how the like you're gonna like this colin i started working in lloyd minster in the spring of 2000 so the 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 royal bank cup was in fort mcmurray and they picked up fort mcmurray picked up the lloyd blazers goalie dustin schwartz who you probably know now he's the oilers goalie coach as their third goalie then he played some games and i was doing the morning sports and i had to go through the faxes that came overnight to get the scores because the ajhl website like didn't have updated scores yet so like i had to check faxes 21 years ago to get scores like that seems prehistoric now It, it does the good old days, right? The good old days, but uh, uh, it was a simpler time, I guess. But um, from Brent, from Brent's perspective in that story, it's like uh, I don't know. You can think it's crazy or not, but it's, at the time, it wasn't that crazy anyway. And whatever, we got bag skated for a week too after, and uh, and you had to you use know, wooden you sticks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say. So so we had two days the whole next week, or maybe longer than a week. Um, so we had to ride the bi- bikes at like 6 in the morning before school, 7 in the morning, whatever, and then go to school. And then we came to practice, and we he took away all our synergy sticks, and we had to use wood sticks, and we had to put white tape on the blade, and we had to write, write in Sharpie uh, the word work on both the forehand and backhand side. True story, I swear on my life, we were running out of sticks. So guys were like changing the defensemen and handing each other their sticks by the third game. Cause guys were like heating them up and trying to curve them. And then they were breaking and um, we never lost with the wood sticks. We never lost a game with the wood sticks. 
Oh, really? Sure well, that's story. pretty cool. No, so it worked. We never lost. Yeah, it did work. Exactly. It's not so the, it shows. Uh, it's not the weapon. It's the operator using it. You know, like it doesn't. Matter. That's right. It's, it's not the technology. No. Uh, what, what's your? Uh, I mean, you got drafted. Uh, what were you a third rounder in the draft? So uh, fairly high by Philly. What's your What's your draft story? Did you go? Did you get a, a phone call? What, what was the? And I think it was Philly that took you, not the Blackhawks. Uh, correct. Yep, I was the first pick in the third round, 69th. Um, I did go. I I thought I was going to go higher than I did. I I um, not that I thought I was a first rounder, but I thought I was a mid second round guy. Uh, so I. I or even say slipped a little bit or a little bit. Um, 2003 draft, I, it's maybe one of the best drafts ever. So you can go back and look at some of the names in that one. And uh, no wonder I, I dropped to the third round because there's a lot of really great players ahead of me. And um, I was, uh, it was in Nashville, Tennessee. One stupid story I have is that, uh, uh, so back in that day they did, the first three rounds on day one. So now they do the Friday night first round and then rounds two through seven on Saturday. But back then they do rounds one through three on day one. And then it was uh, four through, I think they did nine rounds at that time. And so only the first round was on TV. Anyways, um, my, I kept waiting for my name to get called and I had to pee really, really, really bad, but I didn't want to leave my seat because I didn't want to be the guy that if his name got called, he's not in his chair. And so I just remember like being extremely uncomfortable and just kept waiting for my name to get called. And it felt like a lifetime, um, but it finally happened 69th to Philly. Well, so in a way you did go number one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. But you know what else? I, so I'm sitting there, Philly picks me. And so Philly had two first rounders that year, zero second rounders. And then the third rounder, um, they pick uh, Mike Richards, Jeff Carter, and myself. That's the order for Philly. Richards is a center. Carter's a center. And I'm a center. So I was actually sitting there being like, not right away, but like as you kind of digest it, it's like, well, how the heck am I ever going to make this team? playing behind these guys like there's no way and uh i ended up getting traded the next year to chicago i was still in junior riding the bus to saskatoon and brent sutter had this big like zach morris type cell phone because i never had a cell phone the kids didn't have cell phones yet and um uh i was traded to chicago for alex me and jim vandermeer who, who played for the oilers uh with me in edmonton there and uh me and jim vandermeer for alexi jamnoff jamnoff played from the trade deadline on. So it was like, whatever, six weeks. And they didn't, they lost out in playoffs and he never played for the Flyers again. Jim Vandermeer played, I don't know, four or 500 NHL games. And then I played, I don't know, 350, 400, something like that. Yeah. Basically so. 400 with playoffs for sure. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, that's incredible. Colin Fraser joining us tonight at Inside Sports. Okay. Well, so you, you talked about being part of that incredibly deep 2003 draft. You were part of the incredibly deep 2005 uh, World Junior team. I mean, when you talk about uh, possibly greatest of all time, another Lloyd Minster connection for me, Clark MacArthur was on that team playing for the Medicine Hat Tigers. Um, I mean, there's always a lot of pressure on Canadian teams and maybe unfairly if they don't rise to the occasion or meet expectations. But you guys 
maybe even exceeded high expectations because I'm just double checking the gold differential in the round robin was 32 to five. <laughs> you won the gold medal yeah. game six one. Yeah, no one was even close. It was kind of, I guess we knew the law. Lo- it was a lockout year, right? So we knew yeah. the team was going to be good. I I was kind of, oh, am I going to make this team? That's kind of where I was at. And, um, you know, I, when I reflect back, that was kind of where the time was like, I knew I needed to fill a role to, to make the team. So if I think I'm going to be power play guy, I'm out. Like these guys are just way too good for me. So I already knew in my head, I'm like, I have to fill uh, a grinding penalty killing uh, type role, which, uh, which I'm happy to do uh, anything to get on the team. And, uh, um, and I made it now expectations. Like when you're in the moment, uh, at least for myself, it's like, you don't really feel the press. Like you're just in this group of 22 or 23 or whatever guys, right. And the coaches like you're in your kind of own little bubble for lack of a better term. So it's not like, and there wasn't Twitter and all the craziness back then. So it's not like you felt this like crazy amount of pressure. At least I didn't. It was just like, we're just playing hockey, you know, like, yeah, we're expected to win. You know, we're playing on Canada. I get it. I get the high expectations, but it's not, it's not like it was something that was talked about. Let's put it that way. It was just like, everyone was just playing. And then when you look at the roster, like it's, it's pretty, pretty tough to beat that roster. There's hall of famers all over that team. So I consider myself lucky to have played with them. All right, Colin, we're going to have to do this again, but I, I got a couple more for you here. And thanks for coming on tonight. By the way, still 3-1 Montreal, 12 and a half left in the third here as I keep an eye on that game. Uh, you know, you were on cup winning teams in Chicago and L.A. In between, you were an oiler at the start of what turned out to be, uh, uh, you know, well, kind of in the, I guess, the middle of a stretch where the, the team didn't make the playoffs. You know, how do you look back on that year? Because you got to play in Canada, you got to play in uh, in Western Canada, but it was, uh, you know, an Oilers team that was going through a tough time. How do you sort of reflect on the 10-11 season? Yeah, so I was uh, I was playing the year prior in Chicago. I played the whole season. Um, I did not play all the games in the playoffs, in and out. Um, we won the cup, so, you know, you would I mean, top of the mountain, right? Like that's even though I wasn't playing in the playoffs, it's still t- peak of the mountain. I played all season. You win the Stanley Cup. That's what you grow up doing. And that was when uh, Chicago had to kind of get rid of everyone because of salary cap. So they trade uh, all those guys, Ladd, Bufflin, and Sopo all to Atlanta, and myself, and everybody. It was half the team was gone. Nine guys, I think. And uh, I was actually really excited to go to Edmonton. I grew up in Surrey, BC. I, my dad grew up in Edmonton. I have. Uh, family in Edmonton so it's like this all this excitement um, and then thinking we're going to a, a weaker team maybe I'd get more of an opportunity to play and it was the opposite <laughs> it was like, I couldn't crack this lineup if my life depended on it and uh, it was a bad season we had on top of our team just being okay we in fairness we had a lot of injuries like Ryan Whitney was he was on pace for I mean a very good season and he blew out his ankle I don't even remember but he didn't play all year um we lost Horkoff we lost like we lost all these guys to Hall and Everly were rookies 18 year old rookies so it was like this like perfect storm of um I guess a tough a tough season so when I reflect back on it like it was it was awful in the sense of the bad season uh personally for me um no points not a lot of ice time in and out of the lineup. Um, it's not easy, but as far as like the city and playing there and the excitement level, like it was 
great in that sense. Like I was excited. Um, my wife and I enjoyed the city. I live in Sylvan Lake uh, in the summers. Like I'm in Albertan through and through here now. So it just didn't work out for whatever reason. I didn't play very well. I didn't fit and uh, just didn't work out like I'd hoped when I, when I first went there. So um, yeah. I was traded to, to LA the next year. Yeah, and and won the cup again. That, well, 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 I I I feel like I well, I've asked you some good memories too. I guess maybe the other season wasn't so great. We'll we'll have to do the Stanley Cup stories next time because we're getting short on time. Uh, and I think like we were going to have you on a few weeks ago, but I think you might have been at the U eighteen. So let everybody know you know who you're working for now and uh, and what you're up to. Correct. Yeah. So I uh, retired uh, about five years ago and I, I took two years off trying to sort through life. I like to call myself a lost soul for two years and uh, ended up uh, landing a scouting, amateur scouting job with the Chicago Blackhawks. So yes, I was down in Texas for the U18s. Um, I'm an amateur scout, Western amateur scout with them, but we kind of go everywhere, travel the world and um, love the job. You know, it's like, what do you know? I know hockey. That's all I know. So I, uh, I feel lucky to have landed the job, and then now uh, I just love I just love the job. Watching Western League, um, junior hockey across really the world, especially this year. It's all weird. It's all video based, mostly video based this year. So um, it's a little bit different, but hopefully we're getting back to to normal and, and some more travel in the in the near future. That is Colin Fraser. We'll have to have him on the show again. This is the best of Inside Sports on six thirty. Chet. Well, one guy we've had on the show several times over the years, usually a couple of times a year, good friend of mine, Jay Onright uh, from TSN, very popular host of Jay on SC, very funny man with a very, well, I was going to say checkered past, but that's not really fair. I mean, it's not like he's done shady things or has done you know things to hurt other people, uh, but he's done some things that have uh, maybe been a little goofy or have maybe got him some attention, maybe where he meant well, but maybe it just rubbed some people the wrong way. And uh, we're going to have Jay telling one of those stories when we bring you back here. Reed Wilkins with you on Canada Day. It is the best of inside sports. You're also going to hear from Sean Pete and Luke Gazdick. And, of course, uh, in this time slot tomorrow, play-by-play of Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Montreal Canadiens. Back after the news. Canada Day. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630. Chet, this is a best of edition this evening. You're going to hear some good stuff here as we roll along. You already heard from Colin Fraser, former NHLer. It was good to catch up with him. Some stories from his days with the Red Deer Rebels and in the National Hockey League. Well, here's one. We're going to bring you this one. This interview was actually done May 24th. It was before Game 4 of the Oilers and the Jets, unfortunately turned out to be the last game of the season for Edmonton. I, uh, I brought Jay Onright onto the airwaves as our, uh, as our fan of the night for the game between the Oilers and the Jets. Great. How are you doing, Reed? I, I'm doing well. I, I should let you know, the Leafs are playing tonight. I, you might need to have highlights on your show. I don't know. I mean, normally, 
Usually at TSN, we like to minimize our coverage of Toronto sports teams as much as possible in favor of other Canadian NHL teams. We like to make sure that the Leafs have the least amount of coverage and the other teams get the most amount of coverage. So whether or not we'll be able to squeeze in this Leafs playoff game into the show tonight, that's not for me to say. That's for people above me to decide. I don't know for sure if we'll have Leaf highlights, but certainly I know there are a few Leaf fans listening, and we hope we can get them in just for those folks listening at okay. home. Okay, okay, everybody's prepared. That's good. Hey, it's good to have you on the show, buddy. I appreciate you checking in. Uh, you're a very special fan of the night, and uh, we're going to walk down that path with you. And, and I know you've, you've, you wrote about this in one of your, uh, your two books, at least the ones that I've read. I don't know if you have more than that, but I've read two of them. And now you, your, what was it? Your family, your dad. What was the, what was the ticket situation with your family when you were a kid? Yeah, I was very fortunate. My dad split a set of season tickets at Northlands Coliseum with two other guys. I got to be honest. You know, I was asking my dad the last time I saw him, who were the other two? families or individuals we split the tickets with he could not remember so i don't know how we ended up splitting them with with these people we had a third which was just about perfect because we didn't live in edmonton we lived an hour and a half north of edmonton so uh and my parents had a small business so getting to all the games would have basically been impossible in fact we didn't even get to a third of the games uh we ended up uh, giving a lot of tickets away but um yeah i we had a third of season tickets basically from when uh, I was about six years old until I was about 10 or 12 years old. So uh, very, very fortunate because those were the formative Gretzky, Messier, Curry, Fuhrer years, the years they were winning cups. Um, so, yeah, it's funny, though, when you're a little kid, and I mean, I was little, you know, I was five, six years old when it started. In your mind, this is never going to end, right? In your mind, if your team is great when you're that young, all you can think about is how great they're going to be for the rest of your life. Uh, this is never going to end. We'll always have the best players. Uh, Gretzky will never, ever marry a, uh, a star of Police Academy 4 and, and have her demand to leave the city. Uh, he will live uh, in Riverbend forever and, and never, ever leave us. These are the thoughts that were going through my mind as a six-year-old. Uh, it all came crashing down eventually. But it sure was a fun ride when it lasted. Were you ever in the building on a night the Oilers won the Stanley Cup? I was not, but I was in the building on a night they could have clinched the cup. And my memory is going to be a little vague. I'm, I'm bad on details. But I know it was when they played the Flyers in the finals and Ron Hextall won the Conn Smythe, even though the Oilers won the Cup. But I, but I, I don't know what game it was specifically. But they had a chance to clinch it at home, and they lost the game. And uh, so, you know. But again, I remember being kind of disappointed, but also thinking, ah, we're going to keep winning cups forever. I'll get my, <laughs> I'll get my. <laughs> no big deal. That's, I was, uh, I was 13 years old at the time, and I, and I guess I just thought, yeah, no big deal. We'll get another crack at it, probably. Yeah. Crack at it, but I, I just never did. I never got a crack at it. Yeah, 87. The Oilers came home with a 3-1 series lead, but lost Game Five to the Flyers. Lost Game Six in Philly, but then won won Game Seven. So, so, so you just you just missed out, but still. Just uh, missed out. Yeah. 
Yeah, pretty cool era for you to be going to games. That's for sure. Jay Andre joining us tonight on the face-off show. We're about an hour away, a little over an hour away from dropping the puck, Oilers and Jets. Okay, now what is the – let's let's clarify this story because some of it is in the book, and sometimes people will bring it up to be like, hey, your buddy wrote that book. Like what he got – did he get kicked out of Northlands Coliseum? And I was like, no, I don't think he got kicked out of Northlands Coliseum, but I think he – were you a little too boisterous for some of your fellow fans, or what happened there, Jay? I, I, I hesitate to, to talk about this because I feel like people think I'm, I'm criticizing the entire fan base at the time. But, but these are the facts. This, was, um, this would have been about 92. So, you know, a couple years after they won their last cup, uh, Sean Podine was their best player. Sean was a J. And, uh, and I, again, my dad still had those season tickets, but now I was going to the University of Alberta. I was in first year, and it was a super sweet bonus because since I was living in, in Edmonton now, my dad just left the tickets with me, and if he could make it in to go to a game with me, great. Uh, if he couldn't, no problem. I could, I could take one of my buddies. So it was an amazing, I was super spoiled kid obviously anyway i you know myself and, and my friend trevor sawatsky uh, we hop on the lrt we head to the game we're having a great time and i think we just you know sometimes uh edmonton crowds can be quiet you know in a regular season and i think at that night we just wanted everyone to be a bit louder we just wanted everyone to be a bit more into the game and and we were I, we weren't aggressively drunk or anything i i i know that for sure um, but we were just cheering very, very loudly. We were, we were specifically cheering at players. We, we were cheering against the opposing team. I don't even remember what the, what the other team was. And it started to, to come out that a few people in our section were getting upset. They, were, they thought we were too loud. They wanted us to just sit down and watch the game. And in hindsight, I can see that we were probably extremely obnoxious, and they were they were right, and we were. <laughs> but uh, but at the time, you know, you're you're an 18 year old kid, and you just want the building to be rocking the way it was uh, in the playoff years when they were winning cups, and it just wasn't rocking. And so we were kind of taking it upon ourselves to try to make it rocking, and uh, we failed miserably. So. I didn't think much of it. We got in some, you know, some verbal disagreements with people in the section, but it was not nothing was physical. I didn't think it was that bad, to be honest. Um, the next day, uh, I heard from my dad. He called me from his small business in Athabasca, Alberta, and he said, uh, "I just got a call from Bill Tuelli, uh, who at the time uh, was the head PR guy for the Oilers, and Bill Tuelli informed uh, my dad." that several people in our section had complained about a loud, tall, skinny, obnoxious kid who had ruined their evening watching the game. And uh, there was no threat of taking tickets away or anything. It was just more, I think Mr. Tuelli was aware of the situation, probably thought I had consumed more alcohol than I really did, and was pretty kind, actually, to just call my dad and say, your son's obnoxious. Maybe if you're going to give him tickets next time, tell him to dial it down a few notches. And uh, at that point, my dad promptly uh, took the tickets away from me, and uh, and I think he didn't renew them the next season. <laughs> I think that was the end of our time as season ticket holders for the Edmonton Oilers at Northlands Coliseum. Jay Onright joining us on the uh, Face-Off show. A couple more for you, Jay. Um, describe, I mean, because now you're obviously uh, a well-known national figure. You're a very popular sportscaster. Well-known. 
Yeah. Probably the most famous Canadian of all time. I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, and uh, and you and you work in in TSN with a lot of uh, Toronto fans. Are you able to still sort of, even if it's behind the scenes, express that hey, I like the Oilers? Like, can you? Does, does that happen, or are you kind of on an island there? I mean, I got to be honest. It's excruciating working in this newsroom in Toronto right now because, as you know, the Oilers are down three nothing in the series. So. Um, as soon as I walk in the newsroom tonight, it'll be a lot of, well, I don't know, is Connor going to want to stick around any longer? Um, what's wrong with the Oilers? What's going on? Like, I'm the person who's going to fix everything. Like, I'm, I'm the person. Because they all know I grew up an Oiler fan. They're all Leaf fans. Everything's going great for them. So, uh, so it's basically, uh, I will not lie to you, Reed, it's an absolute. Like, if you think, uh, if Edmontonians get frustrated with, um, watching TSN and seeing all that Toronto coverage. Imagine working at the network as an Oilers fan. And for, I'll give you a little example. Um, last night, uh, we we started off the show, and I'm trying to remember who we started off the show with. Uh, sorry, my my brain is like like fried. Oh, the Oilers, of course. So. So we start with the Oilers, and then we have, like, sort of a board at the end of the highlights, and it talks about uh, the Jets' uh, fast, you know, most impressive three-goal comeback or whatever. You know, we had a bunch of different historical ones. And all the notes that were written for me were about the Leafs and Columbus series last year. And I, I had to say to the guys, guys, the fans of Edmonton do not want these notes about the Leafs-Columbus series. If anything, they, they would like to hear as little about the Leafs in, as it pertains to Edmonton as possible. So whenever I, I get a script, it'll often say, like if Connor scores a goal, it'll often say something like, now he's just 12 back of Austin Matthews for the Rocket Richard Trophy. I'm like, why do we even need to put that in? Obviously, Austin Matthews is going to win the Rocket Richard Trophy. I don't think this is a stat that we need to have in here. But it always relates back to the Leafs. So... Um, I feel like this is a bit of a therapy session for me having worked in Toronto. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, to answer your original question, uh, yes, it, people know I'm a Oiler fan, and, yes, it's a complete nightmare at this time. Okay, last one for you because I know you got to go. You have two uh, young kids. Uh, your wife is from uh, the GTA. Will they be uh, raised as Toronto fans? Will you try to perhaps steer them in a more Western direction? Uh, what's happening, if anything, there? I'm going to, like like all kids, I'm going to let them decide on their own. But I would say that there's, unfortunately for me, probably a 99% chance they'll be Leafs fans. And and it, it stems from a couple of things. Does their mom make all the decisions in the house? Yes. So there you go. She's a Leaf fan, diehard, born and bred. So she's already claimed them uh, into her tribe. The other factor, and this is sort of Mason corny, but for me, you know, I'd love for them to be Oilers fans. But the truth is they're going to be going to school all their lives with Leaf fans. And I know what it's like to live in a city when you're an Oiler fan and live in a city with obnoxious Leaf fans. And I kind of don't want to put them through that. I, I just don't. So uh, if they're Leaf fans, so be it. Good on them. And, and I'm not going to cheer for the Leafs, but, but certainly, I, you know, 
I'm going to hope for some success if that, my kids are diehard Bucks fans. The perfect situation would be if they just cheered for someone completely random, you know, like Columbus or something. So maybe I'll try to steer them in the Columbus direction. <laughs> Jay, this was a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, have a great show tonight. Of course, fans out here love watching you every night. You are indeed the pride of Athabasca. Thanks for checking in, man. Thanks, my friend. Really appreciate it. All the best to you and everyone at 630 Ched, uh, Edmonton's number one source for top 40 music since 1974. Well, there you have it. A little bit of therapy uh, about five weeks ago for Jay Onright and memories of being an overly rowdy fan <laughs> at Northlands Coliseum. We'll combine hockey and NASCAR next. This is an amazing story coming up here. Sean Pete is currently the pit crew coach for Chip Ganassi Racing in NASCAR. He used to play minor pro hockey, and he was born in Edmonton. Proud, proud Canadian, uh, proud Albertan. Yeah, born in uh, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Um, yeah, that's where I started things off, and uh, I saw the extended family there. Um, and my parents met at a bowling alley in Edmonton, if you can believe that. Oh, do, you remember, <laughs> do you know which one? <laughs> I don't. I don't. Well, this is uh, the bowling alley romance. Well, that's a good way to start. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna do the, so okay. So you're uh, so you, so you're born in the mid '70s. So you're growing up in Edmonton during an interesting time to be a, a hockey fan. Then what do, what was that experience like for you? Well, it was really, I, we were uh, I was very young when my parents uh, you know started here, moved out to Vancouver Island. So that my a lot of my experiences that I can recall were being um Edmonton Oilers fans amidst all these rabid Vancouver Canuck fans and it was never uh it was never an easy thing as a kid in school you know everyone's got Canuck stuff on you have an Oilers shirt on but uh you know I think maybe that led to me toughening it up early a little bit well the Oilers uh often got the better of the Canucks as <laughs> I'm sure you reminded your friends often yes <laughs> yes you're correct and was hockey everything to you as a kid playing watching or were you into other stuff yeah, no, Reed, I wasn't. Um, I was a late starter. My brother and I did, probably didn't start till we were, gosh, eight or nine, maybe even 10 years old. Um, you know, just, uh, you know, hardworking family and just the opportunity wasn't there to play. And then we, we, you know, finally got the opportunity. I remember my parents thought, uh, okay, we should get these kids into hockey school. Never having been hockey parents before. So we go to Lake Cowichan and they didn't realize you had to sharpen your skates before you, like basically we just took them out of the box, stepped on the ice. So my first, my first stride on hockey skates, I went right to, to my face. So it probably was an, uh, an omen of how bad a skater I was going to be my whole career. So. Well, you had a pretty good career because uh, what it really stepped up for you when you started playing junior, would you say? When you or, or when did things start to click for you? Yeah, you know, being from the Nimo, I got an opportunity to play in the British Columbia League for the Nimo Clippers, uh, which was a, a dream opportunity for myself. Uh, never, you know, I was never a kid that made BC's best ever or the All Star team, or I, I just wasn't one of those kids. And uh, to make it onto that junior team and then parlay that into a, a you know an opportunity down at, at a U.S. college, um, that was a success for me um, because it just seemed out of the realm of possibility when I was coming through minor hockey. Where did you wind up going to college? Tell everybody about that story. I played uh, played four years at Dartmouth uh, in the Ivy League. Uh, was recruited as a forward. Uh, they switched me to a defenseman. My first shift at defense my sophomore year, um, we were playing University of Vermont. 
and we step on the ice. It's four minutes into the first period, and the forward line that is against my defense partner and myself is made up of Martin St. Louis, Eric Perrin, and the winger that played with them. Reed, needless to say, it went horribly wrong uh, shortly after the puck was dropped. <laughs> okay, that's that's quite a that's quite a start. How was the uh, how was the hockey culture there in the Ivy League and going to Dartmouth? Like, was the team uh, important? Was it not yeah. as watched as some of the other teams? Yeah, I mean, we were the you know we were a D one program, so it was uh, it was a big deal on campus. Um, we were not a good hockey program, you know. In four years, I think we played one wild card playoff game, and so you know when you're losing at that type of volume, you know the people don't just show up. The, they were packed um, because St. Louis and all those guys were in um, at Vermont. Every time we played Vermont, our building was packed. Um, but they were all chanting UVM when we came out. So that was uh, not a good thing. So it was um, college hockey was really interesting and, and I'm thankful for it, but it was, um, it's certainly difficult. You know, I tell people now, if, if you're going to play college hockey, you better love the game of hockey because between studying and film and lifting weights, um, it requires all of you. So Sean, you made an interesting decision at least i think you did because i've talked to a lot of players over the years as i'm sure you can imagine and sometimes when they reach the end of that ncaa or u sports career i mean there's there's the fork in the road and and you know maybe you're not going to make the nhl or it might be a real long shot and you you've got a degree or might be close to getting one so what do you do and and you made the decision to keep to to play pro hockey and it took you a few different places so what led you to stick with hockey when you were done with dartmouth you know you know one of the interesting things i found down there reed is is dartmouth is i think was the sixth best school in the country uh and a very expensive place to go to school and when i arrived there there was a level of affluence that i've never seen before um, I have really great parents, um, but we grew up, you know, west coast of Vancouver Island, middle, lower socioeconomic class, but we had a richness of life. And when I went to Dartmouth, you know, there were kids there that had all these things that we are told that we're supposed to want in life, Land Rovers, fancy clothes, you know, expensive shoes, but a lot of them were inherently miserable or had awful relationships with their parents. And what that did is it allowed me to kind of look behind the curtain and the myth of, that, that we hold money in such high esteem. And when I saw that, I was I made up my mind, I was like, I'm gonna chase joy. And you know, Dartmouth's a big corporate banking school, so I could have gone to Wall Street. Instead, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go play in the Texas League for 300 bucks a week. That's awesome. Well, and that's quite a mature realization for you to have in your early 20s. Not a lot, a lot, a lot of people would would realize that and then commit to it. Yeah, I just think it was so in your face. And I just I remember being so struck by it. Like it on to honestly, my senior year, it wasn't even a decision. The only thing I was worried about was I like I didn't even know if I'd be able to make a pro team was the thing. So if, if I didn't, I was gonna go back to Nanaimo, figure it out. But uh I knew what I wasn't gonna do, and that was spend 80 hours at a job that I hate. Sean Pete, he's just getting started. More with him next. Best of Inside Sports on 630 Chad. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.